This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, Mr. Performance, Tony Gaddis, joins us to talk about how to isolate performance issues using on-command performance manager. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipork. Zipork. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio with Tony Gaddis, performance analysis extraordinaire. Uh, he's going to sit here and teach me how to do performance analysis. Uh, so before we get started, Tony, if uh, you could tell everybody what you do here at NetApp and how to find you on social media, if there is a way to find you on social media. Well, I, I don't hang out on social media too much. You don't, you, but don't, no, you don't tweet a lot? No, I don't tweet too much, but you can get me and get us at NetApp. will certainly find me, and I'm very happy to chat with people all the time. So uh, that's a good way to go about it. I'm, uh, you know, I've been with NetApp now for about 13 years. I started off managing the performance development effort in research and development. And along the way, got involved working with many customers on performance architectures, uh, sizing, performance problems, and you know, eventually turned the hobby into a day job. Uh, now I've transitioned into a technical marketing role to bring a lot of what I've learned out in the field back into uh, engineering. So it's sort of going full circle. And uh, you know, any point in time, I'm I'm helping customers and count teams with performance architectures, performance problems, performance management. And what we're going to talk about today is more about performance management. All right. So we're going to talk about how to manage your performance, how to understand what it's doing, uh, and how to isolate faults and problems, I would imagine, because uh, that's an important part of that. And to do this, we're using OnCommand Unify Manager, which has greatly improved over the course of the last few years in terms of performance management. So, Tony, um, if you could break down exactly what OnCommand Unified Manager can do for us at a high level. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably not the, uh, the expert at all the Well, I don't need details. you to be the expert, but, but whatever, whatever you're using it for. Well, um, so I look at it from two, two main points of view. One is uh, the health, and the health is something where you can look and you can basically see your configuration of the system. Uh, but where I tend to spend most of the time is in the performance metrics that are there. And it has performance dashboards. It has uh, you know more detailed views. It has uh, views where you're averaging things over 72 hours and kind of look at the summary there. And uh, you know even when you go down to it, it has a breakdown at the volume level where you can look at the latency and uh, it's called the component cluster component view. And at that level, you can actually go see sort of what are the main areas inside of ONTAP that are contributing to the latency, which has uh, been very useful for debugging problems over time. What I, I have done for quite a while is actually many times people call about a performance issue, we'll immediately start using OnCommand Unified Manager to go take a look at it. My first step often these days is to go do a WebEx. And uh, in many cases, that actually can, can help sort of get a pretty good theory as to what's going on, what the problem is. Um, so, you know, I've become very, very used to using it in the, the uh, sort of analysis kind of situation. But, you know, I was asking myself, okay, you know, how would you go about managing an infrastructure uh, on a regular basis? You know, what regular activities might you do to be proactive and go manage your systems? So I decided I was going to sit down with uh, OnCommand Unified Manager and go take a look at the NetApp infrastructure that we manage with it and see if I could come up with a theory of how, knowing what I know, I would approach that problem. 
what I thought I would show you here is uh, is sort of a view of on-command unified manager. Unfortunately, uh, it's difficult to have the view go across the podcast, but uh, you know people can bring up their own uh, view of Oakham here and uh, maybe follow along. But here's the, the main top-level view. When I came into it, one of the things I decided to do was to go take a look at the dashboards and see what they would tell me. And uh, when I look at that, uh, the NetApp infrastructure has uh, many, many clusters, many nodes, many aggregates, many volumes. I think, as I recall, we have somewhere around 25,000 volumes. So looking at the page, uh, you know, as I understand it, it, it puts anything that is uh, in red or yellow up at the top. And basically what I see here is uh, everything looks green across a bunch of systems. And, you know, so there's... That's, that's good, right? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I just got a bit skeptical about whether that was good. I asked some more questions and they said, well, it's if it's having a problem at this point in time. And I guess if, if you're looking for a problem at this point in time, maybe that would be useful. But I was a bit skeptical and I thought maybe, maybe that didn't provide enough information. And so then uh, there's a... Uh, performance tab down here and the performance tab has uh, clusters nodes aggregates volumes ports svms luns etc to go take a look at and so just for jollies i went and brought up the lun or the nodes and what's interesting is even though the top level was all green we've got about a half a dozen nodes here that are flagged as being yellow and uh Actually, the thing, uh, you know, when I tried to mouse over the yellow warning, I didn't find exactly what what the warning was about. I uh, did something similar for the volumes. And, uh, you know, here looking at this with you, you can see we've got some in red, we've got some in orange. And, uh, you know, that certainly doesn't seem consistent with the top level. View no, it doesn't. <laughs> so it seems like there's something that needs to be fixed in Oakham. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's got useful information. It does after you get past the top level. The right. top level is kind of misleading. Yeah, you know, I just decided it really wasn't an approach to uh, how you would go about wanting to look at the system. So, you know, uh, having kind of done that initial survey looking at the uh, the NetApp infrastructure, I decided to kind of step back. And, you know, over, uh, over the course of my career, I've kind of uh, come to think that there isn't really an absolute truth. I think there's just rules of thumb that seem to fit most of the time. So, you know what I'm what I'm talking about, and are going to share here are some of the rules of the thumb that I went back to as kind of the basics to then start about what to go do. Uh, and you know the good news is is I've kind of developed rules of thumb having looked at many systems. You know I actually have the benefit of being able to go back and talk to the engineers, and it's pretty pretty easy in some cases to go find why the actual rule of thumb fits the actual way that things work and why that makes sense. So. You know, one of the the first place that uh, is useful, um, having looked at a lot of systems, uh, when you get a node and the node utilization, and this is underneath the performance tab, there's a utilization that's talked about there. And that utilization, when it gets above uh, 100, well, 85%, usually that's going to point to a latency issue on the node. There's going to be probably broad latency for most of the volumes that are on the node. Now, there's another metric that you can find uh, on the nodes, and that's the performance capacity used. And, you know, this one is a, one that I've spent quite a bit of time sort of trying to look at empirically and understand what it's really telling you. And what I've come to understand is if it's above 100%, you probably have one or more volumes, at least on the node, that are having latency issues due to CPU resources running out. 
it's uh, it's not sort of as inclusive as node utilization where you would necessarily have all of them uh, having a problem. In fact, sort of the ironic thing is, is I think you could probably have one volume having problems with node utilization or with performance capacity used, and you could, in fact, put more workload on the node. So it, it doesn't exactly tell you headroom, and you could put more workload on and it wouldn't have a problem. Yeah, and just to kind of recap what the performance utilization piece is and the headroom stuff is, you know, when you hit 100%, that's like optimal. Like this is where you can basically say this is where I'm going to be and this is where I need to stay. Anything above that, like you said, volume latency. Anything below that means I have a little more room to wiggle. Yep, it does. So anyway, the the red zone, in other words, when you're going to start having problems at looking at the node, is again 85% on the node utilization and above 100% on performance capacity use. Those seem to correlate with points in time where users start to have problems. Um, now, you know, I, I absolutely love SSDs. Unfortunately, not everybody has them. Uh but, you know, if you have spinning disk, the thing that I have found is you have to look at the aggregate utilization. Now, this is not the capacity that is filled on the disk, but this is what's called the utilization of the aggregate underneath the performance tab. So, again, it's, it's not related to how full the disks are. It's what their performance workload is. And so that metric, when it gets above 50% for disk, starts to correlate to the fact that you're going to start having disk latency impact you more. You're starting to queue on the disk drives above 50% performance utilization. And when you start to queue, that has the effect of doubling the latency or tripling the latency from the drives that are already very slow. So. Yeah, this is basically the the spinning platters. This is you know how much they are utilized at a disk level as opposed to this SSDs, which can handle a lot more load upon them. Yeah, I've, you know, I have seen... You know, in, in the test labs, I've seen some of our, our SSDs getting 40,000 IOPS per SSD. And, you know, I have not seen that anywhere out in production. But, you know, if, if anybody ever sees a uh, SSD with high utilization, I'd love to take a look at that system. Um, you know, SSDs are just wonderful in terms of being able to absorb the performance load that you put on them. Now, again, you know, the one place, you know, when, I, when I've given this talk before, people get it confused about this is the amount of data that's stored on there. And that's not what I'm talking about at all. It's really the performance utilization of the disk drive. So one reason they might get confused with that is because there's always been this tribal knowledge of once an aggregate gets to a certain capacity that we need to, you know, re release some space to give you better performance. What, what do you feel about that, like the capacity versus performance piece? Well, the, uh, what, what starts to happen when you get less free space in the aggregate is it becomes much more difficult to find free space to go write your new data that you have to put down. And uh, it becomes difficult in a couple of different ways. You start having fragmented free space. And it, it tends to kind of accelerate just because you, you're getting down and you're having to make harder and harder decisions. And what that really results in is having to go to the disk a lot during the CP processing when you're writing the data out to the disk. And going to the disk more makes the CP process longer, which pushes you potentially into back-to-back -back CPs. So where I just, you know, my wet thumb rule of thumb there is above 85%, you should start thinking about more space, um, you know, getting more space into the aggregate, more free space into the aggregate. Um, and, you know, probably above 90, you're going to start to see some, some degradation with right workloads. 
Uh, you know, I know some people have just uh, used it as a repository and they fill it all the way up, and that's fine. You can certainly go do that. But, you know, if you have an aggregate, it doesn't have a lot of free space, and you're trying to write a fairly heavy workload to it, it's going to become much less efficient. With SSDs, just doesn't matter. You know, you can fill those puppies up. Nice. So there is a distinction between spinning and SSDs. You know, just this is just more of a selling point for SSDs in general. I mean, you're not just going to get performance, but you're also going to get capacity because you're able to use more of that that usable space. Well, and you know, uh, at least in the way I think about it, is you're buying you know uh, headache prevention ahead of time. You know, spinning discs have always been sort of a notorious source of performance issues for customers, and. Uh, you know, this just takes that all off the table. At this point, then you just worry about having enough CPU headroom in the system. So well, then there's the whole, you know, physical aspect of it where if you're hitting them hard, they're eventually going to fail faster because they're spinning, there's moving parts, whereas SSDs, there's just electrical current. Yeah. If I had a magic wand, you know, everybody buy SSDs these days. Matter of fact, I, I for a lot of reasons, I think it's a pretty good uh, investment. I'm actually uh, going to do a little plug here for my Insight talk, but I'm going to have some discussion about sort of the economics of space utilization of disk drives, sort of performance capacity nice. used at, uh, at Insight. What, uh, what session number is that so we can... Oh, golly. Uh, you don't know your session number by heart yet? I don't know. No, I don't either. <laughs> but anyway. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, and if you guys uh, come see me at Insight, happy to, happy to visit with you. So uh, now let's uh, switch gears. You know, we talked about what the red zone was for those assets. You know, where do you want to normally operate them so that you, you uh, get the most value for your systems, and, but you also avoid problems? So my rule of thumb is to use uh, mostly the node utilization to look at it from an HA point of view. And there's sort of two conditions that I think of. One is, is you know, if you've got a system and it's got what I'd call revenue critical applications on it, these are ones where your company will start to have issues recognizing revenue. You know, those are ones where you really don't want any kind of latency in a takeover event. And my wisdom there is keep the sum of the node utilizations less than 100%. And I think you'll be fine in a takeover. Um, no matter what, I'd kind of recommend you should be keeping your node, the performance capacity used less than 100%. You know, an exact point of how that works on takeover and give back, it's not quite as clear to me. But I think the node utilization one uh, is certainly true. And again, I also qualify this during what I might call user hours. Um, sometimes people operate systems where mostly it's interactive user workloads during the day, and then you might be running backup and other jobs at night. And I get a little less worried about what's going on at night. It's really more of an interactive user experience. Now, other customers have systems where I put them sort of in the category of the things that are running on their impact personal productivity. You know, a key one are like all the build systems we have here at NetApp. You know, if if they slow down a little bit, you know, the engineers have a chance to go get another cup of coffee and use the bathroom instead of being chained to their desk. And, uh, you know, it's a, a little bit of a hit, but it's not quite as critical as re revenue. And in those cases, you're really wanting to get the most out of your assets you can. So my wisdom there is you can run the node utilization, the sum of the node utilizations up to about 140%, keep it well balanced between the two systems. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of people in EDA spaces and software development spaces running their systems harder for engineering up in that level. So that's, uh, that's kind of my advice in terms of where you should keep the system between the rails to be safe. Now, uh, you know, with disk, uh, you know, well, I guess my first advice would be buy SSD. But if you're not going to buy SSD, keep your, your utilization less than 50%. 
Um, and there is the ability inside of Oakum to go take a look at your aggregate latency. It's really fairly interesting looking at that over time. And sort of what I developed is, you know, you'd expect your SATA aggregates to be running less than 12 milliseconds, your SAS aggregates less than 8, and your SSD less than 2 milliseconds. That seems to be pretty constant across, you know, a broad range of our infrastructure, taking a look at that. So those are some of the rules of the thumb that sort of form the basis of how I think about now how to devise a management system. So what you could do with these rules of thumb is within the uh, Oakum, you can set up alerts to kind of give you triggers of when you start to hit these thresholds. And we'll be sure to publish these thresholds up on the blog as well so we have the information in print. But, yeah, I mean, you can use Oakum for a lot of different things, and this is just one of them. Yeah, so now I decided what I wanted to do is to go back to Oakum and, and figure out, okay, how could I proactively manage this? And, uh, you know, borrowing from uh, Stetson Webster, who used to have a, a process using OCI where he'd go get a cup of coffee and look at his OCI reports on Thursday, I got to thinking, well, go get a cup of coffee, take a look Thursday morning. If you go into the uh, performance tab and you go down to, for example, the volumes here, um, what you're going to see is uh, it says up here, this is the average over the last 79 hours. So, you know, if you go Thursday morning, this means you're looking at the first part of your work week. And what is it that you see here? Well, again, uh, given that we have a lot of volumes, uh, in fact, this page is showing uh, on this part of our infrastructure where we're looking at uh, over 5,000 volumes, the question is, what do you do with this? And, uh, you know, there may be other ways. I know that there's some filtering and some things that exist here inside of Oakum, but I found it was uh, easier just to export it out to a Excel spreadsheet, CVS. And uh, then doing that, you get this big long list here. But, uh, you know, I've become fairly adept at going in and filtering. So, you know, for example, uh, what, I, what I decided to do is I wanted to start with the volumes first because looking at the volume latency and doing a survey of that is going to let me know if there's somebody that may be having issues. You know, what I've, I've got a fairly good correlation is the volume has bad latency, and if this is something that somebody interactively uses, that's going to be the source of your phone call. So you've got a lot of information here, and what is it that you'd like to go take a look at? Well, you know, what I uh, suggest is, you know, for example, um, one thing is to go into the IOP category here, and choose any volume that has over 100 IOPS. We have uh, some interesting sort of strange behavior where when you have zero IOPS, you can sometimes get very inflated numbers. I've sort of thought yeah, of this as a... fake latency, basically. Right. You know, it's, it's a kind of divide by zero problem, uh, I think, in a way. So, you know, I concluded that if it had less than 100 IOPS, I wasn't really too uh, concerned about how it behaved over that period of time. Um, you know, one of the things you can do in here, uh, we have production and dev systems and other things like that. So, you know, what I can go into, for example, is on the cluster node, and I can uh, just filter out anything other than the production clusters as a step. Um, you know, I can certainly go take a look at some of the other ones if I, if I need to. And uh, so then I'll come in here to the latency, and, uh, you know, I'll just go choose a point, you know, just to start a discussion. Let's just say, well, no, actually, you know what I, I, what I tend to do here is now take into account what the aggregate is. And I may actually make multiple copies of this volume sheet depending on what type of aggregate. So, for example, let's just go take a look at the aggregates that are SSD in our infrastructure. And... Uh, 
you know, we have a naming convention where uh, we have a high right, I think is what it is, or um, it also might contain uh, extreme. Yeah, and these are naming conventions that you have. These are not necessarily naming conventions that everyone's going to have. No, that's right. I mean, you know, if it's it's useful if you have some naming conventions. Uh, and and I intend to looking at systems. People do tend to label their aggregate by the disk type. So this uh, this becomes a number another way you can filter down and go look at it, and that gives you the ability to go look at it. So here, you know, according to the thing that I said earlier, is I get concerned if I'm going to see something greater than two milliseconds. So you know, I'll come in here and I will filter on anything that's greater than two milliseconds and that gets me down to uh, you know a few handfuls of volumes and you know I can decide whether I want to go take a look at them or not um, now you know just to kind of show you how you would go about doing that um, you know here here's one of our volumes up at the list uh, okay so here we interestingly we have a SQL volume that's at 30 milliseconds well that certainly would be kind of noticeable on SSD to understand what's going on there. I do have a theory having looked at many of these before, but let me uh, let me take this one. So now I can come back over to the Oakham page here, and it's got the search volume data, and I'll just uh, cut and paste that number into there. Then that's going to take me out to the volume page for the system here. You know, what we can do here, there's a view, and it's got breakdown and cluster components. If we choose cluster components, we come here and we mouse over one of these, what we see is QoS policy. So I know, you know, I've had some long discussions with IT and what they have done on some systems to really try to push them as hard as they can as they have set some QoS policies on some volumes that are much less important and sort of penalize them in terms of how much of the system they can go use. Uh, looking at this peaks at about 2,000 IOPS, uh, I would guess they probably have a QoS policy somewhere around there. But what you see when you bring the cluster component up here is you see uh, different buckets. There's six different buckets. The first is networking. The next is QoS policy, network processing, cluster interconnect, data processing, and aggregate ops. And from looking at a lot of systems and knowing how they, they use these counters, network usually refers to a delay of putting data out onto the network. Um, when I see latency there, uh, I found it to be one of two issues. One is you could just have the node very highly utilized from a CPU point of view, in which case data is just being delayed probably everywhere. And yeah, maybe like something like flow control in place as well. Well, um, then when if it's not because of that, then it is pointing to some issue on the network. And you know, I think one of the things that we will tend to see more of now as we're starting to switch from 10 gig to 40 gig front ends is you're going to start to see uh, the fact that we can start swamping host with 10 gigs. And so we may start to see more issues showing up there. And that just gives you some ideas of some places to go take a look. Well, we also have the NAS flow control, right? So the Onbox NAS flow control with an M-Blade that can be outside the network stack, but also act as if this network latency there. Uh, yes, as well. Uh, then I, you know, I mentioned the QS policy. That's that's a really clear source of uh, QS latency. Uh, you know, some people have had questions. How do I know whether I'm hitting my QS limit? And it becomes really clear here that you are. The next one is network processing, and which what this one means is there's a set of dedicated threads and on tap to networking, and in this case, you have actually just exhausted those threads, and you'll start to see delay there. Um, 
Now, you can do this in a variety of different ways, but that, that's pointing to a problem there. Uh, and sometimes related to that, you can see something similar on the cluster interconnect. Um, you know, up until uh, 9.3, is it? Uh, cluster and users shared the same network context. I think in 9.3 or 9.4. No, 9.4 is when they switched. Oh, they split them out? They split them out and gave them separate. It's probably a good idea. Um, yeah, because... <laughs> Because what we would get is a real heavy volume and have it go indirect, and somehow or another it would map into the same network context thread, logical thread, and exhaust that. But 9.4 is much better for that. Uh, the next one in the list is data processing, and this is really the referring back to the operation processing that goes on in Waffle. And if there's latency there, that's pointing to some contention in terms of running out of resources to process that data. The last category is aggregate ops, and that's pointing to something back uh, with the disk subsystem, connectivity, and the disk themselves. So this starts to give you some ideas of where your latency can be if you're taking a look at it. So anyway, as I said, you know, having filtered the spreadsheet down, you can can step through these cut and paste and go take a look at those and see what's going on with those volumes. Yeah, and your environment is pretty large. I mean, you're looking at 20 clusters, thousands of volumes. I mean, most people don't have this type of environment. And if you do, it's an easy way to filter through it. Yeah, and and even so, it's also a really good way to kind of highlight if there's anything. Even if you don't have a big one, how do you really kind of pinpoint what you need to look at? So as I said, you know, what I decided to do is, uh, you know, Thursday morning cup of coffee, go export the volume list first, do a bit of filtering on it and sorting, and get it down to a list that you can take a look at. And again, uh, when I've done this on our infrastructure, I've looked at it on the SSD volumes, the SATA volumes, and the nearline SAS volumes, or the nearline SAS and SAS volumes uh, separately and sort of use the uh, guidelines that I had in there about latency. Um, now, you know, that just tells you if you're having uh, any problems. How do, you, how do you look at your systems to try and avoid issues? And, you know, the next place I'd go take a look is go over to the node tab underneath performance. And again, here you get a list, and it's uh, averaged over the last 72 hours. And again, what I found is it's a, it's a good idea to go export this to, uh, to Excel. You know, what I want to go look at here are the columns of performance capacity and utilization. So I'm going to take one cut here and uh, just do a sort by utilization first. And when I do that, uh, I have uh, probably, you know, about a handful of nodes that are pretty close to 50% or slightly over 50%. Um, now, you can also look over here at performance capacity used uh, for these same ones, and certainly here's one that where the utilization's at 55% and the performance capacity used is at 110. This has probably got some issues where the CPU is being hit pretty hard. We'll go take a look at that in just a second. Uh, the next one down on the list shows something fairly similar. It's about utilization of 52%, but a performance capacity used of 105. So given these are averaged, um, you know, it's, it's probably pointing to the fact that there's some periods of pretty heavy workload on these. So again, what we can do here is uh, go to the nodes and cut and paste those and go back to Oakham to the table here and... Uh, we can zero in right on the uh, the node. So this seems like something you could use Excel for in a little deeper capacity, right? You could take these numbers and possibly create a macro that generates a graph. And then if it hits a certain threshold, you might even have it go out and do this for you, like figure out where the nodes are and link to you for you. Yeah, you know, I've tried to encourage uh, 
the Oakham guys to think about how we can maybe utilize more of this. I, you know, one good thing again about my position being back in with the TMEs is I, you know, can more directly go talk with them and give them ideas. And there's actually several things we're talking about for improving Oakham going into the future. So here we've got the node view up. And uh, one of the things here is I like to sort of just focus in. So I'm going to unselect everything except for I'm going to go back in and look at performance capacity used and utilization. And when I take a look at this, uh, boy, you know, if I if I look at performance capacity used over the last 72 hours. Some pretty high spikes there. Pretty high spikes. And, you know, when I look at the uh, utilization, uh, we're not hitting the 85%. Well, yeah, we actually are hitting about 85% here on some of these times. So it's pretty clear that we're pushing the system pretty hard. And, you know, I think we'd have to take a look at this. Uh, it looks to me like this is actually right in the middle of the workday right here. So this is a system where the workloads probably would be impacting the users. And so again, by going through the list here, I can, can find the list of nodes I should go take a look at. And, you know, my remediation here probably is to go do some vol moves to look at how I could rebalance the workload. And one of the things you can do, uh, we've got all the other nodes in the cluster here. And so we could go add those to the graph. Oh, yeah. So you add them all, and that gives you an idea of which nodes might be good to move the volumes to. Right. And, you know, here what I see is... It's kind of messy, though. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little bit hard to see, but if you mouse over, you get some ideas. And we can see, like, nodes 2A and 4A are just being hammered, where the other nodes in the cluster certainly look like they're in a lot better shape for performance capacity used. So, you know, it, it gives you some ideas of where to go put your workloads, how to, how to go do this. So, you know, my, my thought process here is, uh, is you, you take a look at this and uh, it, it points to what you ought to go take a look at in terms of workload balance. And again, I would think that if you did this on a regular basis, the amount of stuff you have to do each week would be pretty darn small. You know, clearly we've, uh, in, a, in a lot of cases in the infrastructure here, I think we've let stuff build up and got quite a load on some of the nodes. And again, this is something you could probably automate out, right? So if it hits a threshold, you kick off a vault move automatically to a node that isn't as utilized. Yeah, and you know, I tend to recommend, you know, what you do is you go take a look at your volumes on that node and pick the one that's got the top eye up. So that's the one that's going to get you the most bang for the buck to invest in making the move. It it will be the thing that makes the knob change the quickest, the dial change the quickest. So you can do something really similar uh, for the aggregates. Again, you know, I don't think it's quite as important to look at SSD aggregates. But here you can go dump this out uh, to a spreadsheet. And um, again, you know, the ability to go sort this, you can sort this by aggregate type and create some different copies of it. Uh, and you can use the latencies that I talked about earlier to go in and filter and uh, see which, which ones may have some slightly higher latency. You know, just for the sake of the discussion, what we'll do here is uh, we'll go into the um, SATA aggregates. You know, here we have, a, have one that is uh, at about 14 milliseconds, which does seem a little bit high. Um, you know, again, I was suggesting look at probably anything that's above 12. So let's go take a look at what this one looks like here. Now, one of the things about Oakum is uh, it has, a, I think, a fairly useful approach to how it averages data. If the value is zero, it actually doesn't include that sample in the average. Um, you know, if you, uh, for example, some, I was really interested to find that a lot of workloads have a very spiky behavior. About every half hour they kick off and do work, and they do quite a bit of work in a short period of time. 
And so if you were to average that, you might not really see that. But Oakham averages out the zero samples, so you can see the spikes much more readily that way. Go find them. So here, uh, you know, what I'd like to do is to uh, look really at the utilization and at the latency charts on the aggregates. And, uh, you know, the utilization looks pretty low, uh, so certainly wouldn't be pointing to a problem there. And we see, you know, a fairly constant latency of about 14 or 15. So when I've looked at some of these before, sometimes I think we have some issues on systems that have imbalanced channels. And we may be sort of running into a bit of a channel bottleneck there uh, between the storage shelves and the controller. There's also some uh, fairly noisy spikes out here. But this is a case where the workload has pretty much gone to zero on the node. And uh, I think that we're, again, getting some of the, the noise and the spikes there. So that's one of the reasons. So is there anything that I would suggest we do about this aggregate? Probably not readily. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, channel issues are some that you can just sort of live with and, and not really go through the trouble of trying to resolve those. What would you have to do to resolve that sort of thing? Well, you'd probably have to go back to the back end and rewire it and, you know, get it, your disk spread more evenly across mm, okay. uh, your your ports. And, again, that's sort of a somewhat painful process to do, and so I'm not sure whether I'd really bother doing that one. The thing I would look for, you know, I, and you see it, if, for example, the node, the utilization here was above 50%, uh, you're going to see the latency here go up pretty dramatically. You know, those on the podcast can't see it. But if you look at it, for normal workloads, you know, the the, uh, the latency stays pretty straight line. Um, but what happens again is, again, the utilization crosses 50%, and you'll see that jump up pretty dramatically. And so that's a case of where you'd want to go identify what that workload was and, and ask yourself, are you okay with that? Uh, you know, do you need to maybe set a QoS limit on it in some way? Do you need to put it in a different aggregate that has more performance? Those are different options of things that you could do. Yeah, and with your channel imbalance, I mean, it's there's also a risk involved with resiliency, right? I mean, if you lose a bus, it could cause more of a problem than if you're balancing correctly, right? Um, that's true. I mean, you know, it's, it would be best to, you know, take a look at that on the front end. But, you know, it's, it's something where... Um, you know, if you set it up, I've, I've not concluded it was worth trying to go change after the fact. Yeah, maybe during a maintenance window later on some, maybe, at some point. Maybe. You know, flag it for later. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly something to, to potentially take a look at, but not something to react on immediately because it, it is a lot of work. And really what you're just buying is more resilience. I mean, the key thing is to manage your workload more uh, because your workload will definitely cause problems if you hit the disk too heavily. Yeah. So uh, anyway, as I said, I think, you know, uh, kind of the way I sort of summarize this is, you know, Thursday morning, grab a cup of coffee, pull up Oakum, go do some spreadsheets, do a little filtering, go push down into the more detailed of the volumes and the aggregates and the nodes, take a look at it, decide what actions you might want to do, keep your system healthy, then ignore it till next Thursday. There you go. Weekly performance analysis by Tony Gaddis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, that's the basics, and uh, we've actually uh, worked through this with several customers after I gave the talk. Uh, matter of fact, there's a customer who was having several performance issues, and uh, they had a fairly large cluster, and we used this to go through and do a pretty quick analysis so that we could see where we were having problems, and we were able to sort through several different things. Uh, they had quite a bit of workload going in direct, and uh, interestingly enough, they still had some 6290 nodes in the cluster, and workload going through those 6290 nodes to some of the bigger new nodes was not very happy because the 6290s were way overutilized. So that was one of the sources of latency. There. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that happening. 
and a, a good chance for the sales team to go discuss an, an upgrade there. Yeah, absolutely. See what you could do with this? Yeah, let's do that. So anyway, and uh, again, you know, people have questions, want to know more. Uh, always happy to chat. Get us at NetApp. Give me a yell. So, Tony, you've gone over a lot of performance analysis here with Oakham, and you've mentioned some terms like latency, IOPS, utilization. Let's just kind of do 10,000-foot view of some of these terms because, you know, some people aren't really as familiar with them. Okay. Well, uh, latency tends to be really one of the most critical factors. Uh, you know, most people look at their, their jobs and they look at it in terms of wall clock time. And, you know, you have a certain number of operations that have to be done with a job, and how quickly those operations gets done is how fast the response comes back from storage. And so, you know, if your wall clock time increases, that's pointing to the fact that the latency from the storage is probably contributing to that issue. Response time is going up. You issue a command, how long it comes back. That tends to be the most important. Um, you know, there's an interesting relationship uh, called Little's Law that describes IOPS. And uh, basically, the number of IOPS that uh, you will have is equal to the concurrency divided by the latency of the response. So, for example, if you had, uh, uh, see if I can do the math here, uh, you know, 16 streams and you were getting a millisecond latency, that's basically going to say you've got 16,000 IOPS as an example. So, in some ways, uh, you know, the concurrency and latency are really sort of the uh, the unique variables, and IOPS just comes from that. And interestingly enough, then throughput, you just multiply by the average payload size by IOPS, and that gives you your throughput. So really kind of the key things when you're looking at performance is looking at the concurrency and looking at the latency, concurrency being the number of threads working in parallel. Yeah, and that payload size is going to vary depending on your protocol, that sort of thing. Like, for example, NFS, if you do 32K mounts, that's going to be your payload size. Or one megabyte mounts, that's going to be your payload size. Right. Um, that will certainly govern sort of your max. And probably in these days, somewhere around 256K byte mount size is probably about the optimal mount size. A lot of NFS applications that do use data move a lot of data through files. So you'll see a lot of sequential and read, write workload components. And that'll certainly help. And the, the interesting thing about that is that that also can serve to kind of cut down the number of IOPS you have to do because you're moving more data per IOP. The system has to do less. So that also can be useful. So it, when we talk about IOPS and throughput, I mean, we focus a lot of that on our numbers that we put out, but really the latency is the key. And as you mentioned before, you said, you know, latency can have random spikes if you're not doing any IOPS or throughput. So you really have to look at the whole picture holistically. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've come in cases where, for example, customers use Harvest Grafana to do something very similar. And uh, there is the uh, top volume latency you can go look at. And often you'll see a volume in there that has, you know, probably a latency that looks alarming, but it actually has no workload going on. So, again, that's one of the reasons why uh, I found it was useful in, in Oakham to do some filtering on that, not just look purely at the, the latency, but to filter on things that were above 100 IOP so that you could really find the ones that were the problem. Yeah, and when you're isolating the problem, you it's good to look at the disk latency versus the volume latency versus the network latency because that'll kind of tell you where in the stack the problem is occurring, right? Yeah, that's what those cluster components in Oakum are really useful for breaking down for you and helping you understand where in the stack, the on-tap stack, the latency is coming from. And in some cases, there are things that you can do about it. In some cases, uh, you know, that's a good point to go uh, interact with support and say, hey, look, here's here's my screenshot of what I'm seeing in Oakum. Can you investigate this? 
a good way to start the discussion about what the problem is there. Another good thing about Oakum is that it keeps historical data. So if you had a problem that happened over the weekend and you want to figure out why it happened, you can go back over the weekend and take a look at it at a granular level. Yeah, it's it's very useful. And as I said, you know, it's a starting point for me for a lot of my discussions with customers, even even in sizing in some cases, to look at sort of what the average IOPS the system's doing so we know how to size for future systems. It's a free tool too, right? It is. Yeah, and there's really no reason why not to use it. Pretty easy to install and to use. Yep. All right, Tony, thanks so much for joining us and talking to us about OnCommand Unify Manager Performance and telling us how to kind of navigate through these screens and windows. And we'll put some more information up on the blog, including your insight session, so that people can go check that out. All right, Justin, great to be with you. Thanks. Thanks. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Tony Gaddis for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.